for the record, church, that's my favorite song. Uh, that song was played, uh, they asked me when I was being ordained here. They said, what songs do you want played at your ordination? I said, never once, how great thou art. But they couldn't fulfill one request that I have, and that was, how great thou art. Like, I needed Elvis to sing it, and uh, I, I even asked Sierra today, I said, if you could take a knee, like, I'll take that shawl over there and put it over top of you, and we'll, but, uh, it, 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 oh, I'll tell you what, I, there's something about the king, well, Elvis the king, we praise the king, but Elvis the king sang the song, and whoo, oh, it's some good stuff, uh, uh, and that one just gets to me, I don't know if you could tell, but I was enjoying the drums over there, so, uh, so anyway, if you would open up your Bibles with me to the book of John, and uh, we are going to take a look at the reason I've got some ugly, dirty shoes sitting there in front of me. So, um, you know, we, we've been going through uh, the book, and uh, we are officially in chapter 13. We have uh, crossed over into sort of the second half of John. And the, uh, it, it's, from here, it's going to begin to take a shift. Um, there's going to be things about the book of John that as we go through it, um, and it's one of the reasons that I love the book of John so much, it, it, is, it is very pointed, it's very blunt, it's to the point. John doesn't hold back in the way that he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, and it's the place that we take people when, when people are unsure. You, where do I start? You know, you'll, you'll take a new believer and you'll say, hey, where, where do I need to go? I don't know the first thing about the Bible. What do I do? Where do I start? There's 66 books in there. I don't know where to begin. First thing most pastors will say, and I'm one of those, go to the book of John. The book of John, it's easy to read, it's easy to understand, and it's hard to accept because he tells truth. It's, it's good, honest, simple truth. Now, there's parts of it that you may have to reread over and over again if you're like me and you don't comprehend very well. But, but for the most part, the... The amazingness of what John does and where he takes us um, in the journey of, um, of the book is amazing. And today is no different. So today, we're going to be talking about this idea of the lowest of servants. I don't know if that was still up there, but you may have seen that. And it's the idea of the lowest of servants. And if, when you think and when you consider Jesus, he is the lowest of servants. And it's sort of an odd thought to think of Jesus that way, that he's the lowest. Because we always want to lift him so high, don't we? I mean, today, we were just now, when I, you know, how great thou art. You know, like we're, we're in this thing, and we're, we're like praising him. And to realize that as he was here serving as fully human, as fully, he was fully man, and he's here and he's in service, and he did what? He tried to take himself from on high to being the very very lowest because that's the way he was going to reach his people it's the way he was going to bring about his message so that people could connect and they could understand and so we're going to take a look at the first um, uh, couple of sections of chapter 13 so if you are there with me i encourage you to read along um, always encourage you to read along because you know i'm i'm a human there's you can, I mean, read along. I need you to, to, to look at this and understand what it's saying. It's important for you to read the Word of God as much as it is for you to, to hear a sermon being preached. It's more important for you to read the Word of God for yourself so that you know that I'm leading you and guiding you in a right way. And if I'm not, I always encourage you guys to call me out 
uh, uh, and help keep me in a good, right, you know, just righteous path of how we do things here. So it starts off there in, in chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put, his, uh, put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, was going back to God, and he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who, uh, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Peter, uh, Simon Peter said to him, Lord not, only my, or, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put, his outer garments, uh, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you or to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is one of those amazing places where we get to see just how humble and amazing Jesus Christ really is. Where we get to see the way that his disciples react, and then we get introduced, more, more so, we get introduced to Judas Iscariot, and we get a better idea of how all of that begins to unfold. But first things first, we're talking about in the very beginning of this thing, it talks about the feast of Passover. It says Jesus then knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father. Jesus knew that, this, that his time was short. And up to this point, we've seen where Jesus had said, it's not my time yet, my hour hasn't come. And then something else would happen. He would say, it's not my time yet, my hour hasn't come. 
we get to see him now for the first time say, my hour has come. It's time. And so he knows what is coming. He knows exactly what, what paths are about to take. Uh, and, and he is expressing, or he's going to be, as we read through this, he's going to be expressing his love, his devotion, his dedication to his people to the very, very end. Because you notice here it says that, that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, and it says, having loved his own who were in the world, it says he loved them to the end. All of this is forward thoughts, forward thinking by Jesus. And it's all for him to help prove a point to his disciples so that they can see, so that they can understand and then put pieces of the puzzle that they don't quite grasp yet. They're going to put all of these pieces of the puzzle together after his death, after his resurrection. And they're going to be able to go, ah, I see what, just, I see what he did there. Have you ever had those moments where, where you're like, you totally don't get what's happening? And then when it's all said and done, you go, oh, now I get it. It all, it all makes sense. It's perfect sense. Like, you, you didn't install the door before you built the house. It wouldn't have made sense. Like, you know, I'm not a builder, but, you know, maybe you do need the structure first. So Jesus has a way of doing things. And his disciples, oftentimes, in, in poor Peter, God loving, he's one of the best ones to ask questions, isn't he? He's always asking questions. And we get to see Peter here come to life. Oh, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for Peter because it gives me hope. Peter is somebody that I'm like, you know, he's just, he's my kind of guy. He just he doesn't comprehend things very quick. You know, he's quick to the draw sometimes. And he's quick to ask a question. And Jesus just looks at him and says, oh, you poor thing, you know. He just, um, you know, if, if Jesus were country, living here in Switzerland, he'd say, bless your heart. I mean, it's just, that's just how, you know, like, that's, that's who Peter is, and that's me. I envision myself like that. It talks about, though, that there's a feast of Passover. Passover is, this, is the celebration, obviously, where um, they're celebrating what happened when the, when the Jews were, were exiting um, Egypt, and, and the Lord had passed over the Jews who had painted and sacrificed the blood of, of the lamb and painted it over their doorways, and so the Lord passed over as he was helping to free them. Um, from the rule and the slavery of, of the Egyptians. So they're there. So the time frame of what's happening here to the point of where we're going to get probably like around chapter 17-ish, a lot of these things are going to be happening in like in a matter of a day. Now it's going to take us some time to get there, but realize this is literally like the day before. Things are about to change drastically in, in the life of Jesus Christ. So it starts off there then in verse 2. It says, during supper... So this is the Last Supper. That's the reason I say this is the day before. This is the point. John doesn't really talk about the Last Supper here, um, not the way that the other three Gospels talk about the Last Supper, but this is the time frame. And so it mentions the Supper, but it doesn't go into the details of the Supper the way that the other Gospels do. If, you, if you're curious about that, go check out uh, Matthew, Luke, and, and Mark. But, uh, but here it says, During Supper... And it says, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. So we get, we get Judas is brought into the mix here. And who else is brought into the mix? Satan. He's brought into the mix. Things are happening here. And we get to see that, that even in the midst of Jesus, even in the, like, 
Like, that's the reason, I may have said this last week, I said, if you think for a second that the devil doesn't come through those doors, you're kidding yourself. Because the devil was there at the Last Supper, present, accounted for. Don't kid yourself that Satan is everywhere. He is the enemy. He has one job, and that is to keep you from Jesus, keep you from trusting in him, keep you from believing in him, keeping your keeping you from your faith being strong. And so it says the devil has now already entered into the heart of Judas, who is Simon's son, to betray Jesus. And Jesus already knows that this is coming. So there's Jesus. He's, he's now uh, admitting, he says, you know, listen, listen, I know that all the Father's given all things into my hands. He's come together um, uh, for my good so that I can lead and I can do the things that I need to do. And he says, um, uh, and that he had come from God, and now Jesus is saying, I'm going back to God. And then he rises from the supper table. So again, the last supper represented here. Um, again, you can, you can see um, some more proofs of that in the other Gospels. But there's a stark contrast in the way that we move on. There's a stark contrast between what, what is about to happen here and the people who were at play, namely going to be Judas, Peter, and Jesus. We get to see specifically between Judas and Jesus, Jesus being uh, the one who's going to be lowering himself, who's going to be humbly washing the feet of his people, whereas Judas, who is a traitor and a thief and a liar and soon to become a murderer, we get to see how he is not humbling himself and following in the footsteps of Jesus. It is literally two opposite ends of the spectrum. You're going to go from one person whose goal is to kill the Son of God and try to bring about death for the world, and the other being Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who says, Ha, I don't think so. I have victory over death, amen, and I am going to rise and bring life to my people. There is two opposite ends of the spectrum being represented here, and there's going to be a clear distinction as we move on through the different chapters to see how this all unfolds. I hope you're as excited as I am, because it's amazing. So he goes on, and I love this. It says, he laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel, tied it around his waist. He poured water into the basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet. He washed them, and he wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The cool thing here is that Jesus, and he didn't dress like a king. He walked around with a crown and fancy jewels and all that stuff. He, he wore a robe, and he would wear like a, for lack of better words because my brain's not working, but he would wear like a sash type thingy, and it, they would pick it up, and they would put it over their heads, and, 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 and they would, uh, they, it was just things that helped them and the elements that they were in. So he took off these outer garments, and he laid them aside. And, and he did this because he wanted to make sure that any possibility of his position being elevated was removed. He wanted nothing to say, I'm better than you. I'm in a higher place than you. I am, I am above you in any way, shape, or form. He takes off his outer garments and he lowers himself before his people. He takes the towel ties it around his waist, it's an ultimate sign of a servant. You wouldn't picture 
our Lord and Savior is walking around with an apron, would you? You picture Jesus the way that we imagine, like, like the same way that the Jews imagined him, right? Coming in, riding on the, on the donkey and going, yeah, he's about to take out the Jews. Woohoo! he's going to conquer and just, oh, he's the king of kings. And yet here's Jesus going, hang on a second. I'm going to put on my apron here. Like that's, that's not who you picture Jesus. It is funny. That's all right. That's all right. It's not who you sort of picture Jesus to be. Waiters, janitors, maids, physicians who used to wear aprons, um, cooks, even coffee baristas. They all wear aprons. Is that who Jesus is? No, that's not who Jesus is, but it's who he became. He became to the lowest that he could possibly bring himself. So I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I want to show you something. These, in case you, I know you all were wondering, we're finally to the part. Are you all happy now? My wife doesn't know that I'm about to use one of our towels, but at least I grabbed an old one. So, um, and it's my birthday, so she can't get mad. Um, these, I, I halfway thought about doing a foot washing today. And then I, I thought, well, I don't know who would want to come up here and do that, so I'll save you the embarrassment. Instead, what I'm going to do is we're going to pretend these are three different people. When Jesus cleaned the feet, he cleaned the feet of his disciples. It was at least 12, if not possibly more, if there were people there in the room. So we're going we're gonna to pretend that you've, you've got three disciples represented here. Now here's the idea. When people back then went around, they didn't have a nice pair of Nikes. They didn't have a nice pair of hiking boots like those over there. They had something maybe sort of kind of similar to these. They weren't quite as nice as Chaco's, but, you know, leather bound, and they gave them something to, to step on, right? When you walked around, you got nasty and dirty. Your feet were terrible. And so when they would come into a house, it was a servant's job to go to their guest that had just come in and to wash their feet so that as they went to the dinner table, they would be clean. They would help them wash their hands, help them wash their feet. And so today, as just as a representation, we're going to clean these three things because these I wear to work around and do things in. So they're picking up the dirt and the dust of the world, aren't they? These I wear pretty much around to do anything, so they're also picking up the dirt and the dust of the world. And these, two weeks ago, Sierra and I went hiking for seven miles in. And you can imagine the dirt and the dust that you collect actually hiking. So Jesus took his towel and he tied it around his waist. Except this fat boy can't do that. So, <clears throat> I'm just going to hold it. And we're going to pretend it's around my waist. That's my birthday. You've got to be kind. Um, and so, what Jesus did is he had this thing tied around his waist and he would take and he would dip his hand into water. And he, would, he would then rub it all over the feet of the people who were there. And then he would take the towel and he would begin to wipe and wash down the feet of the people who were there. And he's cleaning off everything that he could possibly get. And he would go through and he's doing this for all of the disciples. And he's just trying to get off all the elements of the world, the things that are, that are coming against them. And he's wiping them down and trying to get them to prepare so that they could they could continue to go on and participate in the, uh, in the ministry of which 
he has come to teach them to, to work and to serve and to be in. And he just, he just kept going through. There's, there's a whole bunch of them. And it's okay that it's taken just a minute. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Are y'all? So as we're going through, and he's wiping down the feet of all of these people. And he's wearing this towel. He's just going through. Now this one here, I always think this is Peter. Who didn't know what he was doing when he went on a seven mile hike with his daughter. And he just really had to wash Peter's feet. Who, if you recall, said, Lord, you can't wash my feet. He said, I'm not, I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. You, you can't do that. It's not right. Why? Because, well, you're the Lord. You're the one that, that I should be washing your feet. I should be you know, kneeling down before you and coming before you and, and taking care of the things that, that need to be taken care of for you because you're the one who should be lifted up all high and mighty. I don't deserve to be even in your presence. And when the Lord corrects him and says, listen, if I don't wash you, you're not clean. You can't be with me. So then Peter changes his tune. He's like, well, I don't want that. So wash, wash everything in me, right? And the Lord says, listen, I don't have to wash everything because you already belong to me. You have been saved. You are one of mine already. And no one can take you from me. No one can steal you or take you from the master's hand. You are saved. You are secure. He says, but you still have to wash your feet. Why? What could that possibly mean? You just told me I was clean. And Jesus is saying, as you go throughout the day, you go throughout the world, you become dirty. And you have to take up your cross daily. And you have to go and you've got to kneel and you have to repent of the sins that you commit each and every day. Now I want you to understand something. This is dirt coming from someone who is cleaned by the blood of Jesus. But this is what the dirt that is left by the world around him. And you know what Jesus did? Again, I can't put this on, but he wore this. And you know what that means? He took the dirt from you and he took it on himself. He wore, he wore your dirt. He took your sin and he cast it upon himself and he wore it proudly. He wore it in such a way that he said, you belong to me and I'm happy to kneel before you and to take upon myself all of this. And he said, I'm going to continue to clean you every single day that you'll come before me, that you'll humble yourself before me, that you'll bow yourself before me. This is just from three pairs of my dirty shoes. He cleaned at least 12 disciples' feet that were dirtier than this, probably. I just wanted you all to see what this looks like, what this represents. This is Jesus cleaning us and taking upon himself everything. Does that help understand? Does it help you to understand what it is that he's done for you? Does it bring into a broader picture of, of what Jesus has accomplished through his death, through his resurrection, through the shedding of his blood so that we could have forgiveness. He says, you belong to me, but I'm still going to bow before you, and I'm still going to clean you every day. And I'm going to, as long as you're willing to humble yourself before me, as long as you're willing to, to come to me and confess to me and bring your cares and your concerns, I will even remove the world from you every day. Repent. Bring yourself to me. 
He can take away the sin of the world. Jesus alone takes away the sin of the world. So Peter, Peter is right in saying, yeah, Lord, wash my head, wash everything, but you only have to do that once because Jesus died once for you. All you have to do is accept him. And that was the point that Jesus was trying to make to Peter to help him grasp and understand. And I didn't get that for the longest time. It took me forever to understand. I thought, I am not worthy to receive Jesus Christ. I am not, I'm just too nasty. I'm too dirty. I mean, look at the things that I'm carrying around, church. This is me. This is Greg Knapper, your preacher. This is what I carry. What are you carrying? And I don't say that to say, oh, well, I'm the preacher and I'm better and I'm higher and I'm mightier. I'm saying it that, that I'm trying to do the right thing. And many of you are too. And that's how dirty I get every day. What is it going to take for us as a church, as a people, to understand what Jesus has done? Those that belong to Jesus, meaning that you have been saved, your eternity is secure. It's secure. You, are, you have assurance of an eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, he says, who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. But he says those that don't belong to Jesus are at risk. And they're not clean. And that's what Jesus is trying to help point people to all throughout his ministry. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 says, And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. That's an eternal hell. So as people go throughout their day and then they sin, it requires repentance. We don't talk about that word a lot. We don't preach that word a lot. I am hot up here, folks. It is not you all. It is not even the air conditioning. It is on fire for Jesus today. Whew. And listen, it's this daily sin that we've got to take. We've got to take those things. We've got to carry that before him. We've got to lay it down at the feet of, of Jesus, our Savior. And we've got to understand that in Acts, like it says in Acts chapter 17, that Jesus has declared, once you hear my word, once you know what I have told you, you can't plead ignorance anymore. You have to make a choice. You have to choose me or you have to choose the world. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. Acts chapter 17 says, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to what? Repent. We're called to repentance. Jesus says that the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he's completely clean. And he's talking about those people who are repenting and the need to repent every single day. But then we get to see in verse 11, he makes a very stark revelation. He says, not all of you are clean. That's Judas. He knows that Judas is not clean. He knows Judas does not belong to him. He knows that Satan has overtaken him. And it's sad. It's terrible to realize something like this. So Jesus, being our servant example, Jesus being the one who humbles himself, says, I'm going to do everything I can for those who are left. Some will turn from me. Some will reject me. Some will 
betray me. But I'm still going to give everything for everyone else, including those who betray me, including those who would turn their backs on me. Because here's what I want you to understand. Jesus washed Peter's feet and Andrew's feet and, and the feet of so many. Uh, he, he washed all those 11 disciples' feet. But you know who else he washed? Judas. He looked Judas right in the eye, knowing full well that Judas was about to betray him, that at, that at the end of the supper, Judas was going to leave, and he was going to, for 30 pieces of silver, turn Jesus over. And you know what? Jesus still didn't care. He still bowed before Judas. He still took and wiped his feet, and with that same towel, wiped the sin of Judas away. It was up to Judas at that point. Judas had to make a decision, and he chose poorly. But Jesus didn't, he didn't say, look, I already know the Satan's touched your, your heart. I already know that this is the things you're going to do. He didn't, he didn't care. I'm going to treat you, Judas, the same as I'm treating the other 11. I'm going to love you, Judas, the same way that I love the other 11. And guess what? He loves each of you the same exact way. No matter where you are today, he will and has suffered and died and then rose again for you and your behalf. And that's the truth. He, does, he shows no partiality. Jesus Christ is amazing that way. I'm not that good. I make bad decisions. I make decisions that, that, that I'm not proud of at times. Jesus is perfect because he even knelt before his enemy and cleaned the feet of his enemy before they could go and betray him to the point of death. Do you have that type of courage today? That type of faith? Man, I wish I did. And I'm working on it. We're all a work in progress, amen? None of us are perfect. None of us are, are righteous. None of us are, are even deserving of the grace that's been offered. But guess what? He offered it to us all the same. We have Jesus to praise for that. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. He says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them he says but i'm not speaking of all of you i know who i've chosen he says i know who have come to me i know those who have surrendered their lives to me he says and i'm telling you this now so that before it even takes place you're going to see you're going to know you're going to understand that when it takes place you may believe that what he says i am he so it's a direct pointing to the lord so direct pointing to God the Father, that Jesus and the Father are one. Truly, truly, he says, I'll say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one that sent me. No one is greater or higher than God the Father, not even Jesus in his earthly form. He was obedient to the Father in his earthly form. But all authority, all power, all everything was given to him, even in his, even his, even in his humanness. And he wants you to know this, and he wants you to understand it. There's a lot of people out there in this world that think they're better than God, that they know more than God, that they're wiser than God, that they can, they can without his help, do and accomplish many things. And I'm here to tell you, he can't. I am nothing without my Lord. I can do nothing without my Lord. I accomplish nothing without my Lord. Without Jesus Christ guiding me every single step of the day, I am lost. And I belong to him. And I am secured by him. And he has called me.
to be one of his own. If you don't know that calling, oh man, I encourage you to come and confess that today. Because it's so amazing. In Psalm 41.9, Jesus gives us this, this idea just to reaffirm that he doesn't care what people have done or what they do to him. That he will serve and always serve and that he will give of himself no matter what. In Psalm 41.9, he says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. If you're in a place today where like, you feel where you feel that maybe you have crossed Jesus. Maybe you feel like, I've done some things and he's not going to be too pleased with me. Maybe you've done some things and you say, oh, I'm just not worthy. I want you to see through this example. I want you to hear and listen. And I want you to know and believe in your heart that Jesus will kneel before you. And he will clean you. He will rid you of your sin and he will invite you in if you will accept the grace that he's offered. Believe and trust in Jesus. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Believe and trust in Jesus. Accept the grace that he has offered. We make it difficult. Jesus made it easy because he died on the cross. We didn't have to do any of the work. He's already accomplished it all. And he always has and he always will. And it's the reason that we must lower ourselves and become like Jesus because there's no one greater, there's no one higher, and yet there's no one more humble who will bring himself to the point of service for you, for me, for all of us to come to him and accept his grace. If you will, bow with me. So Lord, we come before you this morning. Well, I guess it's the afternoon now, God. I preach a long time. But Lord, we come before you and we give you thanks and praise today. Lord, I thank you for being here and being stirred up in this place. I thank you for, for the example of how you washed and cleansed and took care of your chosen, of the disciples who were there. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that, that you were there and saw fit to clean them from the sin of their life. And Lord, I thank you that you have opened that and offered that to each and every single one of us that all we have to do is cry out to you, that all we have to do is call out to you and that you accept us into your kingdom, much like the guy that was hanging next to you on the cross who said, who said you don't deserve this. You are good. You are righteous. You've done nothing wrong. He says, but I'm not clean. And I need you to please remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And you looked at him and you said, you will be with me in paradise. All we have to do is cry out to you, Lord. We thank you for that. All we have to do is believe in you that we call out upon your name. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior and we belong. We thank you for that. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. And I ask that you would help us to repent daily. That you would help us to turn away from the sin in our lives and that we would confess ourselves before you and that you would wash us clean every single day you would clean our feet from the places in the world that we go that are nasty and dark and away from you and that you would bring us back into a path of light that just shines and proclaims who you are we thank you jesus 
thank you for your example. We thank you for your servanthood. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We praise you all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen.